Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Welcome to episode 8 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the comprehensive examination of the life, career, radio shows, works, anything else regarding the actor Eric Roberts. I'm Doug Tilly, and with me as always is Todd Rigney. How are you today, Todd? I am doing pretty good, but I will say that I am a little congested. I will be using the mute button liberally to prevent anybody from getting grossed out from my mucus. Well, we did mention on our bonus episode, which was just released recently, that you were feeling a little bit ill, Todd, and I'm really glad that you were able to uh, to join us today, and we will not hold your mucusy sound against you. Well, that that is much appreciated. Todd, I'm very, yes. I'm very nervous and very scared today on this episode of uh, Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. And why is that? Because when I woke up this morning and checked my email, I got a frightening message. I was terrified at what I saw. Uh, Would that be Eric Roberts actually following us on Twitter? Eric Roberts has now followed us on Twitter, which, again, brings us one step closer. I mean, Todd, I know that you've been retweeted by him several times, and, uh, and the show has been mentioned within his feed a few times, but this might be the closest he's come to acknowledging that we exist outside of retweeting the theme song. Uh, so now... now we have to be very worried. We have to be very careful of what we say. So it's a good thing that the two movies that we're covering today, that there's absolutely nothing negative we can say about either of them. This is true. Mm. <laughs> we're very, very lucky that that's, that's the case. Uh, in, I should mention at the very top of the show that one of the reasons I um, that Eric Roberts did follow us on Twitter is because I mentioned to him... Uh, because I just got some unfortunate news yesterday that the director, David A. Pryor, the director of the films Deadly Prey and uh, Sledgehammer, um, unfortunately passed away yesterday, and he actually worked with Eric last year on a film whose name escapes me. But David A. Pryor was a very prolific uh, sort of B-movie director, and if you have not seen Deadly Prey, I would recommend going out of your way to see it because it is something else. But let's yes, yes. let's get away from this depressing news. Well, the Eric Roberts following us isn't so depressing, though it'll probably lead to the inevitable cancellation of this podcast, perhaps in the middle of an episode. Um, <laughs> so, so it could lead to something bad, but let's get away from that because we have an incredible guest here on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Our guest today is an award-winning filmmaker, an actress, a musician, a jeweler, a freelance writer. Frankly, she can do it all. Uh, I've had the pleasure of interviewing her previously uh, for Daily Grindhouse, and she's both smarter and more talented than either Todd or myself. Sorry, Todd. Uh, Let's welcome to the show, Tanya Atomic. How are you doing? Thank you. How are you today? This is so exciting. I'm doing really good. Thanks for having me on the show. Well, it's, it's an really honor. It, it, you know what? I'm glad you feel honored, but we're the ones who should be feeling honored because of the That's you it. are a woman of many talents, and you are going to get the really unique opportunity today to talk about Eric Roberts for a full ninety minutes. What do you think about that? You know, I never thought that this would ever happen to me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, it's like 
it's one of those things when it happens to you, you, you're a little overwhelmed and you kind of can't believe it. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, it, this is pretty amazing. I can tell that it's overwhelming at the moment, but just, just believe me that 10 years from now, when you're looking back on this incident, you'll be like, that's one of the defining, <laughs> defining moments of my life. Certainly one of the defining moments of the later half of 2015. Tanya, what is your Eric Roberts experience? Now, I'm going to reveal, I'm going to pull back the curtain here a little bit. When I first asked you to be on this show, mm-hmm. one of the things you mentioned to me is that you were not necessarily a fan of Eric Roberts. In fact, you might have heard something negative about him. And though this is not a dirt show, this isn't a show about gossip and rumor, I do want to hear your Eric Roberts story. Okay, first of all, I don't really have a real solid story. Mm -hmm. And that makes it sound a lot more negative than... I'm not not a fan. Um, And in fact, I've actually seen several movies where he's been given the best performance Mm. in the movie but that may have to do something with the quality of the films as well <laughs> um but i i wasn't like uh, i don't follow him in any large way in any respect um but yeah I, I don't have anything for or against him that much except that i have seen him do a few good performances um however a friend of mine um, and I don't know what happened, but she felt like she was personally dissed by him mm. at a convention and was very upset. But I don't know the story. Right. Um, she just felt like he was rude to her. And she's a good she's a good one. So I, I mean, we, well, I want to make it very clear at the top of the show, even though we have decided, Todd and myself, to devote the rest of our lives to following everything that Eric Roberts does, Eric Roberts does or says or involves himself in any way, we are not strictly giant fans of Eric Roberts, and we certainly want to be accepting of the other side of the coin, people feeling negative towards him because they, he disses them at a convention. So you're neither pro nor con. You just you're just more of an exploratory. Yes. No. That's yeah. absolutely the case. The rest <laughs> of our Robert's lives. Archaeologist. Uh huh. I've convinced Todd. <laughs> yeah. I've convinced Todd using highly pressured situations to to give over the rest of his life to this bizarre endeavor. And really, it's not worthwhile for him. Not at all. Sorry, Todd. But it's and it's certainly I mean, you know, when we get our cease and desist letter and we have to get all nervous about that, that's going to be a really uncomfortable day. But that happens. Oh, it's going to happen. It's happened to me before. Not not with Eric Roberts, of course. But uh, certainly now that we're we're we've this is going to be two episodes in a row where we're digging deep and pulling back and getting that dirt out there. Uh, It's only a matter of time. Mm hmm. Yeah. But for now, I think we're doing okay. So. You mentioned that you've seen Eric Roberts give the best performance in a number of movies. I need to know one of those movies that you've seen him give the best performance in. Um, probably the one we're going to talk about tonight, the Doc Holliday's Revenge. That's one of them. Oh, don't give away what two movies we're going to cover tonight. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I'm just kidding. Uh, uh, certainly, it's in the name of the just episode. Cut so. That out. <laughs> In fact, let's uh, let's jump ahead a little bit and just mention that the two movies that we're covering today are 1995's The Nature of the Beast and 2014's 
Doc Holliday's Revenge, a.k.a. Stranded. And, uh, yeah, these are two very, very different movies. Uh, I know, Tanya, I, I'm going to guess, had, had you seen either of these movies before? Uh, before? Not. Neither had I. So uh, this, is, this was a pretty unique experience. Uh, and, and, in fact, my reactions to them were much different than I expected. But, of course, we will get into that in some detail. Before we do that... We need to talk about the latest Eric Roberts news, and where else can you do that but on the Roberts Report? Okay, the Roberts Report. So much Eric Roberts news. If you have a Google alert for Eric Roberts, it's really quite overwhelming. <laughs> the, the first one I want to talk about is actually, uh, this one actually uh, has a direct connection to me in a kind of bizarre way. And uh, this is Dread Central is reporting, uh, and in fact has released uh, the trailer, the teaser trailer, for the upcoming movie Black Wake. Featuring Tom Sizemore, uh, uh, Nana Gouveia, I'm, pr- pr- I'm almost certainly pronouncing that wrong, and Eric Roberts. And apparently it's inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft. The plot sounds so- something like this. Specialists gather in a top-secret facility to investigate a series of mysterious deaths on beaches along the Atlantic Ocean. Hmm. I don't know who Eric Roberts plays in it necessarily, but the reason I thought it was interesting... Is because this film is directed by Jeremiah Kipp And Jeremiah, I actually had the pleasure of interviewing Just a few months back uh, It might have been last year at this point actually uh, Very nice man, very talented I was actually interviewing about one of his short films And uh, and I know that he's very passionate about this project So maybe we can have Jeremiah on the show at some point But yeah, Black Wake I have to say that description of it being an H.P. Lovecraft inspired project It already makes me more interested in it Than a lot of the upcoming Eric Roberts Projects that we featured on this What do you think, Black Wake Todd uh, I'm a sucker for anything Lovecraft And uh, yeah, I, I think It's definitely one of the stronger ones That he's got coming out Tanya, what do you think about H.P. Lovecraft? Oh, I love H.P. Lovecraft I used to actually write for A blog where I would compare The film version to the Short story mm-hmm. Um so I did that for a little while. What is the finest H.P. Lovecraft filmic adaptation? Uh, that's hard to say. I tend to like um, ones that aren't necessarily true to the the book. Mm-hmm. Um, just I don't know. It's just a matter of taste. I like the Stuart Gordon ones. Sure, of course. They tend to be more more modern, and you know they very they very much veer from the original story. Um, but those tend to be my favorite ones, just just because. Um, I would love to see – I haven't really seen a lot of really good um, adaptations, like feature adaptations that set it in the original setting that um, kind of stay true to the story. Mm. Uh, I've seen, seen a couple shorts, but I think that those were also Stuart Gordon. So I'm going to go with <laughs> Stuart Gordon. <laughs> <laughs> well, even even more of an important question, what are your thoughts on Tom Sizemore? Um. You know, I I have enjoyed him in a few movies, mm-hmm. um, but again, I don't. I guess I don't really follow him that much, but I do enjoy him when he pops up in a film. Todd, Tom Sizemore seems to be appearing a lot more in very low budget productions. What do you think about that? Um, 
from what I understand, uh, <laughs> yes. Tom Sizemore has gotten his shit together after going through some, you know, some pretty hard times with uh, drug issues and whatnot. So it's good to have him back, man. I love the Relic and I love Natural Born Killers. So uh, anything with Tom Sizemore, I, I'm I'm kind of down with. My understanding is that he and Eric Roberts are actually appearing in a few upcoming projects together. I'm guessing that. Interesting. Uh, yeah, so uh, so this is one of them, and I'm sure we'll be discussing another one of them in the near future. In fact, we'll have to be, because again, we will be talking about every single project <laughs> Eric Roberts has ever done, or ever will do. Now, according to some guy's Facebook, an actor's Facebook, that I found semi-randomly, <laughs> thanks to a Twitter uh, message, Eric will also be appearing on a future episode of the new Wesley Snipes NBC series, The Player. And uh, the pilot is scheduled to air for the series on September 24th. And the plot of it is apparently a former intelligence officer. <laughs> sorry, a former intelligence officer works as a security expert in Las Vegas, and I believe that this former intelligence officer is going to be played by Mr. Wesley Snipes. Todd, are you excited about a Wesley Snipes NBC series featuring Eric Roberts in a guest role? Uh, yeah, of course. I, I mean, I love seeing Wesley Snipes play former intelligence officers in everything he's in i think art of war he was a former something i think what was it a uh, uh passenger 57 he was a former you know uh, something to do with government so yeah wesley snipes he's stretching isn't he blade white men can't jump uh i like blade uh I like white, blade. Men, white men can't jump man it's been so long since i have seen that i had completely forgotten about it some motherfuckers are always trying to ice skate uphill Huh. That, that's a line from Blade. Tanya, what do you think about Wesley Snipes? <laughs> oh, I think he's great. He had some uh, some uh, tax issues uh, semi-recently, and I think this is sort of you know, one of his major returns afterwards. This is the first time I think he's done television. I might be mistaken on that. Are you excited about him playing a security expert uh, in Las Vegas? Oh, that sounds great. Coming that to NBC soon. exciting. I think I'll be tuning in on a weekly basis uh, before it's canceled after the third or fourth episode. <laughs> I have written in the notes that both of you can see right now that one should always bet on black, which honestly, I have, haven't read anything about this series, but I guarantee you that every single pop culture website article about it uses that always bet on black line. And uh, I think that we should all, after we're done here today, do a little research online to see if indeed that is the case. <laughs> Todd, Todd, do you know Bill Duke? I do know Bill Duke. What's he like? Uh, from what I understand, <laughs> he is a fantastic actor who starred in one of my favorite 80s movies, a little film known as Predator. Mm -hmm. Bill Duke yes. was in Predator. He was in Commando. He's been in lots of movies. Very distinctive looking actor. Also a very talented Director, and he is currently working on Nat Turner, Story of a Prophet, uh, an adaptation of the legendary Slave Insurrection. Adaptation isn't the right word there, but I'm going to go with it anyway. Uh, and in fact, his is not the only film made about uh, being made. Sorry about Nat Turner at the moment. Uh, there's an, another movie, um, a competing, I guess, Nat Turner film called Awesomely. The Birth of a Nation, uh, and that one does not have Eric Roberts in it, but this one does, and not just Eric Roberts, because that would be really strange, particularly <laughs> telling this story. Um, it also, this one, uh, uh, Nat Turner's Story of a Prophet, includes the awesome Keith David, the wonderful Blair Underwood, the, all right, Mike Epps, and <laughs> Eric Roberts. 
And I'm going to guess, and I don't know if this is the case, but I'm going to guess that Eric Roberts is going to play a racist old dude in it. I think that's a pretty fair assumption. I mean, I think he can pull that off pretty well. Um, not that he's at all like that in real life, but he's got that southern accent. Boy, I'm just digging myself up. <laughs> <laughs> I smell that cease and desist letter coming. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well go out with a bang. Um <laughs> And admittedly, the other film, The Birth of a Nation, which again has a great title, also has a very notable cast as well. Uh, and it's going to be interesting to kind of compare and contrast. Uh, this, uh, this story of Nat Turner is a, a fascinating one and a, a one that I think has been a long time in being brought to the screen in kind of a big way. Uh, it'll be uh, interesting to see how the releases of these films coincide and whether one gets a little bit more attention than the other but at the very least I'll be keeping my eyes out for Nat Turner story of a prophet finally on the Roberts Report this week recently added to the Eric Roberts IMDB page is a film called I Do I Do directed by well according to the IMDB nobody so far has some writers no director which is interesting it does have a cast, however, which includes Vivica A. Fox, Whoopi Goldberg, Adrian Barbeau, <laughs> Kathy Moriarty, and Eric Roberts. Uh, a very interesting grouping of actresses and actor right there. Uh, it, the, the plot is about grooms-to-be Blake and Daniel find themselves at the center of a media storm as their once modest wedding gets blown up by a national TV morning show that turns them into a poster couple for same-sex marriage. Um, so I don't know if this movie will ever happen. <laughs> so it, it's probably going to need a director first. So any directors listening right now should throw their hat into the ring. That includes you, Tanya. Uh, but uh, good cast. That's not bad. Good start. Um, and when it is made, I don't know if necessarily it's going to make it into a theater. But I do have to say that the uh, the plot itself, it kind of sounds like, what's that uh, Kevin Klein movie? Uh, Inside Out is that what it was? Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. Uh, yeah, it's, it seems like maybe a little variation on that sort of idea. Uh, it can got, get kind of wacky. I mean, that's uh, certainly uh, that cast. Whoopi Goldberg and Adrian Barbeau is n- not really a grouping that I would necessarily <laughs> be going out of my way to <laughs> together see. Together at last. Together at last. That's right. Buddy comedy. Um, but uh, but it certainly has potential. We'll be keeping our eye out. As as with everything Eric Roberts We'll be keeping our eye out for I do, I do But with that The Roberts Report comes to an end Because we need to go into our first break So we can return from our first break And discuss the first movie Of the evening And the first movie is from 1995 The Nature of the Beast Directed by Victor Salva Who we will have a lot to say about When we return Right after this <laughs> I left alone, my mind was blank I needed time to think, to get the memories from my mind What did I see? Can I believe That what I saw that night was real and not just fantasy Just what I saw in my old dreams Worthy reflections of my warm ones staring back at me Cause in my dreams Coming from New Line Home Video 
two of video's hottest stars are coming together for the first time. Eric Roberts and Lance Hendrickson. I don't know your name. Adrian, your friend for life. Star in the psychological thriller, Nature of the Beast. Do me a favor, would you? One of you boys stole that million dollars. Leave me a big fat tip, all right? Jack Powell has just picked up the wrong passenger. Let's head on down that long, lonesome highway. There's some kind of a nut running around, cutting people up itsy-bitsy pieces. Passenger obsessed with madness and murder. I think this is coincidence, our paths crossing like this. But as their journey continues, Jack reveals an obsession of his own. What? I'll tell on you, Jack. I'll tell everybody what you got in that briefcase. But who is the thief and who is the psychopath? You know what I am, and I know what you are. It's just a question of who will end it. Now listen, you've been hearing all that uh, hatchet killer crap on the radio? A little bit, yeah. Could be out this way. Nature of the Beast from New Line Home Video. Can't kill the devil, Jack. You ought to know that. 1995's The Nature of the Beast, starring Eric Roberts and Lance Henriksen and directed by Victor Salva. Uh, the plot is about two men, both played by those uh, two actors, of course, uh, both hiding a deadly secret are on a murderous rampage through the Las Vegas desert. And in fact, the, uh, the, the secrets in this case, I'm not going to give too much away, uh, but what's going on is that there's a series of murders that are happening around the area, and uh, there's also been a robbery of a million dollars from a casino, and we have Lance Henriksen trying to get back to his wife, trying to get out of this area, and Eric Roberts is playing, you know, certainly the first thing that came to mind for me was uh, sort of a Rucker Hauer in the Hitcher type character, though what we discover is that things are not quite what they seem. And I do want to warn everyone in advance that this may be a little spoiler-heavy. This is a movie from 1995, but uh, we will actually, um, I'll actually give a little advance warning when we're going to talk about something that gives away uh, the ending of the movie, which actually was a bit of a shocker, unless you've watched a horror movie before. Todd, what did you think? <laughs> what did you think of 1995's The Nature of the Beast? Had you uh, seen this one before? Uh, no, I hadn't seen this one before. Uh surprisingly i i you know being a directed video thriller and it it came out during you know eric roberts dry period i was not exactly <laughs> sure what i was getting myself into but as it went along what i thought was like some sort of like demented uh version of the odd couple it <laughs> actually ended up being something pretty intense and uh, uh surprisingly good yeah yeah I see where you're coming from, Todd, and I'll give my thoughts in just a second. But first, Tanya, what did you think of The Nature of the Beast? Well, first let me preface by saying I watched this after watching another movie that I found was quite uh, not entertaining. Hmm. So when I saw this one, I thought, oh my gosh, this movie is so good because it actually felt like a, a movie. And... Um, I kind of got this sort of, I'm, when you say The Hitcher, I totally felt that. I felt it was kind of The Hitcher meets Death and the Maiden mm. kind of vibe. Um, I did, and I will say that there were parts of the movie that I really enjoyed. and But as soon as the movie got to the end, and I thought about a few things, I won't give that away yet, so let me know when we're going to do the spoiler <laughs> sure. parts, because I'll spoil some <laughs> stuff for you. But um yeah, once we got to the end, I kind of felt like, oh, they 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 missed the mark on some of the things 
if the, if they're going to end it that way. Um, but uh, there were some moments I thought were, were really good. And there were some moments I thought were kind of silly hmm. or kind of didn't make sense. <laughs> um, so I'm kind of, I'm warm on it. I enjoyed watching it for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm kind of um, good, good and bad for me. There's another movie that it reminded me of, and we'll talk about this when we get into the spoilers as well. But uh, like Todd, actually like the both of you, I was a little surprised at how much I enjoyed the nature of the beast. And it really does come down to those two lead performances. Really, really strong. Mm-hmm. And and the, the interplay between these two characters, these very kind of unique characters for uh, what is at its heart a horror film, and uh, and the the sort of open road and the the interplay between them is something that I actually found really interesting, and it does culminate in something that was is at least slightly unexpected, but as you mentioned, Tanya, maybe doesn't make sense entirely uh, in the scope of the entire movie, and also might be a little predictable if you've seen this sort of thing before. And again, we've had what the last fifteen years of every horror movie having to have some sort of major twist in it, so it's probably not going <laughs> to be too unexpected. Of course, you may have also heard in our voices a little bit of hesitancy when it comes to the praising of the nature of the beast. And the reason that is for me, and maybe it isn't for everybody, uh, is because it was directed by Victor Salva. And Victor Salva is best known for, well, he's actually probably best known for making the Jeepers Creepers series of films, which were very successful back in the uh, early 2000s. But before that, he spent some time in jail because uh, during the making of his movie Clown House back in 1989... Oh, right, right. That's right. Yeah, he, he actually... <laughs> He, I'm just going to read exactly what it says because uh, I don't want to, to uh, mince words or, or say anything that would be incorrect. He pled guilty to one count of lewd and lascivious conduct, one count of oral sex with a person under 14, and three counts of procuring child pornography. He was sentenced to three years in prison and served 15 months. And this movie, The Nature of the Beast, was his first movie after getting out of prison. In fact, there was a large gap from that time period because obviously you're not going to just slide back into that sort of role. Uh, He followed this movie up with the film Powder. In fact, uh, that also came out in 1995 and anyone who remembers Powder and just heard what I just said might remember, hey, that's weird that he made a movie about that. And and that's a really uncomfortable movie to watch in the face of knowing that. Uh, So, with the understanding that uh, he did officially pay his debt to society and did come out and there were years in between that. Did you have difficulty or do you have difficulty watching the works of Victor Salva? Let's start with you, Tanya. Well, actually, I didn't make that connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, um, so no, <laughs> because I did not, until you mentioned Clown House, because I do remember that um, being an issue. Um, but... Yeah, I didn't make the connection, so I just kind of watched it clean without any preconceived thoughts. Sure. How about his work generally? I mean, or how about what I should say, I guess, going forward, does that give you any hesitancy to, say, support his work financially? Oh, you know, I I feel like I feel like there's part of me that would not be excited to pay for his movies. That's just being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I don't know everything about the case, so I don't want to make any kind of snap judgment. Um, but you know, when you hear something like that, it does make it does kind of put a color on it. You know, 
Um, and also, I did see Jeepers Creepers, and I did not enjoy that film <laughs> at all. <laughs> it's also notable that he apparently uh, based the two main characters in this movie on people that he met in prison. Uh, so his his and in oh. fact there are some references to life in prison within the movie itself. Right. Watching it back might actually yeah. you know there might be it might recolor your viewpoint on some of it though. Uh, and in fact the, there's also uh, references to character sexuality which which might be um, it, it might reflect differently on a rewatch. Todd, do you have difficulty supporting the work of Victor Salva? Uh, you know it's. Uh... It's difficult because, you know, you don't want to go out and say, hey, uh, I'm buying this movie that happens to be directed by a convicted child molester. Uh, But at the same time, I do think that, you know, people pay their debts, yada, yada, yada. But the thing that bothers me about his work is knowing what you know about his history. There are scenes, like you said, the, the sexuality of the characters in Nature of the Beast, you know, brought forth there's a scene in jeepers creepers 2 that it's kind of weird to watch knowing what you know about them there are several scenes in clown house that are kind of weird on rewatch to see knowing what you know so i'm really torn to say that i liked nature of the beast simply because of his history so yeah i guess i do have uh, some difficulty there I'm, i'm torn completely like yourself, and like actually both of you, I mean, I have conflicted feelings regarding the whole thing. I mean, you know, let he who is without sin throw the first stone and all that sort of bullshit. But um, this is one where he was convicted and he served time, and it's a heinous crime. One of those ones where when it comes to people who are convicted of it, they are sometimes rightfully excised from society and, and dismissed from society in a lot of ways. But... There are a lot of directors that I like who are not good people, in a, certainly in a traditional sense, people, and not necessarily convicted felons, but certainly uh, ones that we know have done awful things. And uh, when you want to separate the art from the artist, or when you feel the necessity to separate the art from the artist, uh, you know, th- it's a slippery slope. Um, because as soon as I start saying that I won't watch a Roman Polanski film or a Woody Allen movie... Then, uh, then I start. You know, those are the ones that we know about, right? <laughs> There's right. probably lots of directors who have done lots of terrible things that we'll never know about. It's it is something that leaves me very conflicted. Though I will say that I have been, since finding out about this case, hesitant to support Victor Salva in anything that he's done. I just feel that it's been forgotten by a certain percentage of the horror-loving crowd, especially when Jeepers Creepers came out, and it was quite a big success at the time, and it's not like, you know, it's not like he has to be torn down necessarily because he's finding success after being in jail, and I don't want it to seem that way, it's just that when I see his films, I feel like every scene is colored by the knowledge I have of him. Yeah, I'm right there with you on that. Which it might be, that might be incredibly unfair, but... It's such like it's it's such a horrible thing that he did. So that's just the way I feel about it. Uh, getting back, well, sorry. Oh, I I agree with separating you know the art from the artist to an extent, um, but I do feel like if you support someone who has done something horrible like child molestation in a in an industry where they might work with children, mm. you know, in the film industry 
there, there's a chance. I mean, I don't think there were any kids in um, the film that we saw, but um, definitely like Jeepers Creepers had underage actors. I think that's, I think for me, that's an issue. You know, I think that, um, you know, when you're on a set, you have long periods of time. Sometimes there's times alone with certain actors. I think that definitely is an issue for me. I was actually going to move away from it, but let's just stay on it for just one more minute because I also wanted to ask the both of you, do you think, considering that this was his first movie after getting out of prison and out of prison after such a horrible crime, do you think that there should be hesitancy for actors to want to work with him, right? For Lance, for actors of the stature of Lance Henriksen or Eric Roberts, do you think that they thought twice? I mean, we can't know what they were thinking necessarily, but is there a responsibility on their part to stay away from a director who, who, who again, might be put in contact with children or something like that? Let's start with you, Todd. Um, that's a really good question. Uh, like, like we said, that, uh, you know, he paid his debt, but at the same time, the the horrendous nature of the crime, it would make me pause to work with somebody like that. Uh, but then again, you know, I mean, I really don't know what to say on this issue because I, I don't know what Eric Roberts or Lance Hendrickson or even Brian James and everybody were thinking when they accepted the role. I mean, were they big supporters of the story? Did they like the script? Were they able to look past Salva's history for you know the benefit of the project? I just I just don't know. But I do think that. When it comes to filmmakers, because if I remember correctly, Salva took advantage of a kid that was on the set of Clown House. That's right. And I think in that case, not that, you know, splitting hairs, but there is a responsibility, I think, to a degree to keep certain people out of the industry if they are going to use their position to uh, exploit somebody in such a, in such a horrible way. Oh, I just I agree with that exactly because I think that anyone in a position of authority, whether it be teacher, whether it be like religious leader, whether it be director, you're in a position of authority. And I know from my experiences being younger too, you tend to follow the lead of people in that position. Mm. And if anyone uses that you know, against someone who's a minor, I don't think they should be able to work in that type of position again. So we're going to spoil the ending of the movie now. Um, and first, because I think you you actually both may have had slightly different reactions to it. Tanya, you said that you were excited about spoiling it for everybody. Tell us, <laughs> what is the ending of the movie? What happens? What do we find out about these two characters? Okay, so the whole movie... Eric Roberts is this crazy badass guy who is like sexually ambiguous and in your face. And I actually, I thought his performance was really wonderful. Um, and I agree with you. And when you say that part of the enjoyment of the film is the two performances and the back and forth. Definitely. Those are some of the scenes that I really enjoyed. Um, so the whole time um, the, the movie sets you up to think that he's this killer because there's these murders that are happening along the road along on their journey. And it makes you, it leads you to believe that Lance Hendrickson stole some money because he's got this like briefcase. Um, and so you're watching the, the interplay because Eric Roberts kind of has the one up on, on Lance Hendrickson because he knows some info. And so they're like kind of stuck together in this cat and mouse game. And then at the end, it, there's this 
plot twist and you find out that um, who you think is the killer is really the thief and then who you think the thief is really the killer. And then, um, you know, more stuff happens and, and it's interesting too. I didn't, I didn't find it not entertaining. Um, but what I'm going to say <laughs> is at the end, I thought, I thought it was kind of cheap cop out to play it that way without, you know, when you look back at the rest of the film, there's no indication, like there's no strong, um, like indication in character or in plot or anything to, to lead you to believe that the end is going to happen. It's kind of just like a bait and switch. I felt like, I, think um, that, I felt I, like, sorry, go ahead. Well, uh, what I was going to say is I do think that there are in retrospect, some hints, but I feel like they're almost, they almost do too good a job of, uh, of making Eric Roberts' character a red herring. So mm. when you're not expecting, like when there really is no strong indication or even kind of minor indication, it really ma- does seem to make it come out of nowhere. But I'm thinking specifically of the bit where uh, Eric Roberts has sex with um, the woman in the back of the van while her mm-hmm. boyfriend watches. And when he comes back in and they have that exchange and he tells Lance Hendrickson that he, he should go out, he should go out to the van. And what we discover afterwards is because he knows that, I mean, Eric Roberts' character knows that Lance Henriksen's character is the hatchet man. He's the guy who's been murdering people, that he's asking him to go out to the van to murder those people because he knows it'll make him feel better. But that's something that only makes sense in retrospect because up to that point, there's no reason for you to think that at all. Uh, Todd, how did you, were you taken by surprise by the ending and, and what did you think of it overall? Um, I did think it was uh, a bit of a cop-out. Uh, I did have I, I did pick up a few hints. There was the scene between uh, the woman that uh, Eric Roberts has sex with in the back of the van and Lance Hendrickson, where he is uh, kind of threatening to her, mm-hmm. and it made me think that maybe they were going to pull the the whole bait and switch. But uh, overall, I really liked how they handled it. Um, it, it didn't shock me, but it, it made for an interesting ending. Todd, the only thing I wonder is why does he cut them up in the little tiny pieces? <laughs> For the fuck of it. <laughs> that, that is an exchange from the movie, The Nature of the Beast. Once Lance Henriksen makes his full switch over to being the hatchet man, he, uh, that, <laughs> Eric Roberts asks him why he cuts them up into little bits, and he says, For the fuck of it. Which I have to say... I almost stood up and applauded at how <laughs> great that line was in the movie. The only problem I have with the ending, and in fact I had less of a problem with it than the both of you, the only major problem I had with it was I wish I could have watched a whole movie of Lance Henriksen being a badass murderer, uh, hatcheting people to death because I like him so much and because I like him, I like him as both a sympathetic character but I really like him as a badass Guy who's just going to go killing a bunch of people for no particular reason. Um, that said, what makes this movie special is the interplay between the two mm-hmm. actors. And in this movie is almost, I mean, it, it is so focused on the two of them, almost to a sexual level, um, that, uh, that you better like them. They better be giving strong performances or the whole movie would fall apart. Right. Let, let's talk about... Let's talk about Lance Henriksen first, and then we'll lead into Eric Roberts' performance. Uh, let's start with you, Tanya. What did you think of Lance Henriksen in the movie, and uh, and how did you think um, the two played off one another? 
Um, well, I thought they, that he was great. Um, like I said before, the performances really are what made the movie. Um, I think Lance Hendrickson had a little bit of a, maybe a tougher um, character even because mm. it was a little subtler. Um, he kind of was playing, at least on the surface, sort of like kind of a regular guy. You know, he has a family and everything, but he kind of has this underneath thing going on, but you can't, you know, but he's obviously playing a role of good guy. Mm-hmm. Um, that's his character. Almost like a stepfather and, type character, like the movie The Stepfather. Yeah. So it's so, I and, and I felt like he did a, a pretty good job conveying that and making it realistic and it, and having it be really subtle and layered and nuanced. Um, and I thought he did a great job and, you know, their interaction and some of it, um, you know, was like really dialogue heavy. And like I said, it was death and the maiden ish mm. and, and cat and mouse kind of thing. And, and I definitely felt that I really felt those moments too between them. And, um, it just w- was a hundred percent. I think the performances, mm-hmm. especially when they get to that cabin, he has them tied to the chair. Yeah. You're, mm-hmm. At that point it's getting very death in the maiden. Uh, and, and again, uh, not to go back to Roman Polanski necessarily. Um, Todd, I'm sure you love Lance Hendrickson. I know that just from the emotion in your voice when you're talking about him. Uh, what I, I do. What did I, you What did you think of him here? I'll tell you, that voice is really something else. Uh, it's amazing that we could even accept him as a good guy. But, he, you know, he, he, at the beginning of the film when he's just supposed to be sort of a schlubby salesman, very convincing, very believable. What did you think of his performance? Uh, I thought it was spot on. Uh, I love the way that um... – he tries to hold it together when Eric Roberts is just kind of needling him during their road trip. And you get some of those patented Lance Hendrickson screams, you know, when he's telling <laughs> him to get out of the car. Like, you just wait for those moments. Um, and I really liked the uh, poker sequence at the cabin. Yes. I, I thought that was really intense. And They're playing some... poker with, with the money that was stolen. Yeah, So with yeah. thousands and thousands of dollars. Uh, and, and, of course... One of the, the sort of, of um, ideas behind the movie, and one of the first things that Eric Roberts' character says to Lance Henriksen, is that he knows him just, just from meeting him for a couple of minutes that he can sum up the kind of person he is. But what you eventually find out in that scene is that what he thinks he knows isn't really the truth at all. And in fact, uh, Lance Henriksen has a hell of a poker face, which of course then plays out as you expect, or as you probably don't expect at that point. What did you think about specifically when they have to make the switch in the movie? Even though Eric Roberts' character doesn't really switch, but what did you think of, of Lance Henriksen's ability to kind of portray menace after he has to come out as the Hatchet Man? Uh, I thought it was I thought it was excellent because he completely changes his demeanor, uh, the way he's standing when he like uh, whips out the the hatchet and you know duct tapes it to his hand i just thought i just thought it was really wicked it was just uh it was such a like a a spot on snap (laughs) all right well i think we all have enjoyed this movie to one extent or another Uh, one other thing i do want to quickly mention is that this is another eric roberts movie that features his wife eliza roberts in it that's right and another eliza roberts performance that ends with her getting brutally murdered What's that all like about? Eric Roberts. <laughs> well, or or was it? <laughs> it wasn't, but certainly at the time we thought that it was. Uh, yeah, it, it, I'm not sure if, if you picked up on this, Tanya, because you are not obsessed with Eric Roberts' career like we are. But the uh, 
But the, but the waitress the, who has all the jingly jewelry on that was played by Eric Roberts' wife Eliza in this movie, and she uh-huh. makes a lot of appearances both in his movies and on this show because uh, she was in First Dog playing the the wife of the the first lady, I should say, of the President of the United States, played by Eric Roberts, and just in the most recent full length episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, she played uh, the wife of Eric Roberts, uh, who was transitioning into being. Doctor Who villain, the master, and he immediately kills her <laughs> in that as well. Uh, so yeah, Eliza Roberts making another appearance here. Eric Roberts, wonderful hair, right? I think we can all agree on that. Yes. Very strong hair. This performance in The Nature of the Beast is very different than the kind of performances that we've seen from him uh, on this show so far. Much more menacing. Uh, kind of strange in that... Even though I I kind of compared him to the Rucker Howard character from The Hitcher at the beginning, he's not really like that. If anything, he's a lot more kind of laid back and hippie-ish to some extent. There's a scene where he goes in to uh, view all of these reptiles in a reptile museum, and he seems legitimately curious at everything that he sees there. So he's got this kind of odd likability and laid-backness about him, and... The feeling that you sort of get from their interplay is that as long as Lance Henriksen just goes along with everything, he'll probably end up okay out of this. Even if we think through the whole thing that Eric Roberts is the hatchet man, that he probably isn't going to kill Lance Henriksen because he just seems to like him too much, right? They really <laughs> do seem to have kind of a um, a superhero villain type relationship, uh, even though that does obviously get switched around. It is a very different kind of performance and one that I really enjoyed. I think this this is actually a very top tier. Eric Roberts' performance, and he met he matched Lance Henriksen all the way, and I I do have I feel that Lance Henriksen is a very very strong actor himself. Let's start with you, Todd. What did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie? Did he surprise you? Uh, it was a very surprising performance because uh, initially uh, the direct-to-video nature of the Beast. No, no, I, I totally screwed that up. Boom. <laughs> 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 no, the uh, the fact that you know it was a direct-to-video movie and. Uh, uh, the fact that it, it came out during a period when it just seemed like Eric Roberts didn't care much for some of the movies that he was in. I was really surprised that it was as strong as it was. He, he plays like the cocky drifter very well. And there's almost like a, a sexual tension with him mm-hmm. with just about everybody he meets that I didn't expect. But uh, no, I, I agree that uh, I think it's probably one of his stronger roles. All, I mean, all the way around. When he comes back from having sex with the hippie girl... Uh, and he gets into the bed with Lance Henriksen, and he tells Lance Henriksen's character that he thought of him while he was having sex. I mean, that is a. <laughs> there's no doubt about the sexually charged aspect of that, and it certainly kind of paints that relationship in a different way. Yeah. There, there are other characters that view them together, uh, that think of them as being gay. It, it's just an interesting dynamic between the two of them, and it's really brought to a fever pitch. Certainly, you could read a lot into that as well. Uh, Tanya, what did you think of Eric Roberts in this movie, outside of his hair? (laughs) Well, that's a tough one, because the hair was really stealing the scene. It did a lot of the work. (laughs) But um, no, I thought it it was a flawless performance. Um, I I wasn't surprised. I I think that um, I definitely can see him in in a role like this. It was really a joy to watch him um, in this role. And I felt like... Like I felt like there's actually a like a subtle, um, 
like menacing quality that was actually really chilling Mm. and um it reminded me of um funny games Mm. in that way of you know um he's playing with the social social nicely social norms and with you know the information that he claimed to know in order to keep this other guy in line constantly and i felt like he i felt like he did have an affection for him but another part of me felt like that that affection could it, it wouldn't stop him from turning on him if he was done with him i felt like there was a sort of like coldness to him almost sociopathic mm-hmm. um but that he was enjoying himself in the moment and again his performance and his his character was very multi-layered as well although not as not as subtle there were subtle qualities to it um yeah i felt like they're they're the perfect pair for for this film i thought it really worked really well it's uh, sociopathic is the right word for his character when uh, when we first get kind of their uh, most immediate interplay at the at the restaurant um he is acting like a complete and utter dickbag and but not just in a way that sometimes people are assholes he's doing it in a way with a cop right there that that he could easily have been told to leave or arrested. I mean, just being a real piece of garbage. And it just, you know, that is very indicative of the sort of character he is. He just does not give a shit. And he, like you mentioned, he lives in that moment. It's a very interesting performance. And you could see how Victor Salva could have met people like that in prison. People who really didn't fit into society in a in a natural way and and just rebel against everything without really knowing why they're rebelling uh and of course he also is a drug addict in the movie and there's some um there's an explicit scene of him uh doing heroin in the movie and i mean it's it, it's a character that's very erratic that poker scene that you mentioned earlier todd that ends in a him kind of turning on a dime from being kind of very pleasant and fun and then him getting really angry and of course that just leads into the ending as well i do think it's a very very strong performance one of the more uh interesting and one of the more unique eric roberts performances we featured on this show and it's nice to be reminded that he has that ability within himself when you're watching a movie where where he might not have had as much time to prepare, where it might be just a couple of days on the set, where he just doesn't have the ability to throw himself into the role quite as strongly. And I'm certainly not referring to the film that we're going to be talking about next <laughs> on Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man. Uh, no, no sorries necessary. Uh, Nature of the Beast, it's a good movie. It's almost a little hard for me to say it, but it absolutely is, and it's worth seeing as long as you don't have... Uh, a particular issue with supporting the work of Victor Salva. It, uh, it, it actually, in terms of a mid-90s straight-to-video release, it is head and shoulders above most of the material that was coming out at that time. And like you said, Todd, uh, it's uh, one of the stronger mid-90s Eric Roberts performances that I have seen. It's time to take a break. That siren says it's time to take a break. <laughs> <laughs> it's time to take a break because when we return... We need to save all of our breath and all of our brain power to discuss 2014's Doc Holiday's Revenge, directed by David Dakota. This is going to be interesting, folks. Join us right after this.
Sometimes, even the law can't protect you. You better come back inside. If he starts firing, we are all dead. Who is this man? His name is Doc Holliday. What brings you up here? A man was murdered in Tombstone a few nights ago. <laughs> came up here to find Indian Charlie. He is a very dangerous man. Doc is not a law man. He may have a bad, but he does not follow it. <laughs> I've killed many men for many reasons. All were valid. From your point of view... We have to judge each situation as it comes. I know Indian Charlie's in that cabin. I'm gonna give you five minutes. I'm gonna come in there and I'm gonna get him. When a U.S. Marshal does not obey the law, there is a serious problem. And I'll shoot someone? I never plan on it. The law's not handling anything. Holiday's gonna kill him. Revenge is a luxury a judge cannot afford. Something's wrong here. I can feel it in my bones. <laughs> shoot me now, Doc! Never met a man so impatient to die. Oh, come on. Do it. The story of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday is dramatized in the movie Tombstone from 1994, starring Val Kilmer and Kurt Russell, a movie that's very much worth your while. But unfortunately, today we're talking about <laughs> Doc Holiday's Revenge from 2014. And let me just preface by saying this movie is terrible. <laughs> <laughs> it is very, very not good. And it's directed by David Dakota, who has worked with Eric Roberts nine times up to this point, <laughs> including on such classics as A Talking Cat and A Halloween Dog. <laughs> but here he's directing a Western and not only does it have the star power of Eric Roberts, it also has a incredible starring performance by Tom Berenger, the great Tom Berenger. Um, as the trailer you just heard suggested, all you really have to worry about in terms of the plot is that there's a group of people. Within their midst is a gentleman named Indian Charlie. Doc Holliday wants that man. They're somewhat stranded in the middle of nowhere. They all have accents that are no lo not only not time period specific <laughs> and correct, but also uh, most of them don't know how to act. And this movie is interminable. <laughs> it, it is just a painful experience. There are lines, like blown lines, left in the movie. There's a part where one of the characters, um, Indian Charlie holds one of them sort of hostage for a moment, and then they have a conversation afterwards, and he means to call him a redskin, which of yes. course is a horrible term, and he calls him a redneck instead, which makes no sense, and they left it in the movie. I couldn't fucking believe what I saw, and that's not the only example. I think at the beginning of the movie, there's an air conditioning vent in one of the houses you can see. This is such a pile of garbage. We got to start, <laughs> we have to start, with Tom Berenger. An actor who I like very much. Major League, Platoon, a lot of good performances from Tom Berenger. Also, one of the people brought into the Christopher Nolan fold in Inception, just like uh, Eric Roberts was uh, a few years back. Todd, let's start with you. What the <laughs> fuck is up with Tom Berenger in this movie? I don't know, man. He's like uh, like a really shitty version of Waylon Jennings from Dukes of Hazard. the way he's like narrating everything. <laughs> it, it was just so bizarre, like... Like it would just randomly cut over to him, like talking about court cases and pounding a gavel that you didn't see, and in a courtroom that is obviously just a green screen. It was just the most random thing. 
It was so bizarre. Tom Berenger plays Judge Wells, who <laughs> does not interact with any other character in the entire movie. He just does a voiceover. <laughs> I guess he's a real a real life character, and he's just kind of explaining the law that allowed uh, Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday to get revenge on the the people after the gunfight at the OK Corral, and. The, all the voiceover is boring. I mean, it's really just dry and shitty. And he's like, I don't really allow that sort of thing. And my courtroom is like, who gives a fuck? And he he is only shot when we see him against the green screen that, that just like switch. And he's got like a fuzzy line around himself. They must have cranked out all of his lines in a single day. There's just no way he worked in for longer hour, than that. In an hour, maybe. Maybe. Maybe it's like, oh, Mr. Berenger, it's nice to see you here at this convention. How about you come into this room and stand in front of a green screen with me for a couple right. hours? And I swear he's looking down at the script yes. sometimes. It's like I, I, I can't even criticize his performance because it's not even a performance. He, he, is no, he has no reason to be in this movie except they <laughs> wanted to Photoshop him onto the cover and the cover has him with this dumb fake bowler hat on, like a hat that's been photoshopped onto his head, and an arm that doesn't belong to him holding a gun. He doesn't hold a gun in this movie. He's a judge. He doesn't interact with any other characters. It's such horseshit, and does I mean adds nothing to the movie except for star power. And I mean, Tom Berenger star power. Um, I I want to say something positive because there's a lot more negative I still need to get out I do want to say that Ashley Hayes who plays Elizabeth who's the female lead in this movie I thought she was really let me stop myself I think she's really good she's not very good in this movie even though she's fine she's perfectly fine because the way her performance is and the dialogue that she has to say is so poor but I can see talent in her and she is a very natural interplay with the character playing like her husband and her brother, um, and even with Eric Roberts in their brief time together, who plays her father in this movie. I think she's really good, and I think that uh, in a better production, she could probably give a very strong performance. However, no one gives a strong performance here. Let's talk just quickly about the actor who plays Doc Holliday. <laughs> William McNamara, who has worked many times with David Dakota. Now, when I think of Doc Holliday, he's been shown, he's been portrayed on film many, many times. I did mention at the beginning of our little talk here uh, about Val Kilmer's performance in Tombstone. Now, whatever you think of Val Kilmer, his performance in that movie is terrific. He's incredible as Doc Holliday. And I don't even love that movie as much as a lot of people do, but I think he is amazing in it. Todd, compare and contrast the performance of Val <laughs> Kilmer as Doc Holliday with William McNamara's performance as Doc Holliday in this movie with... The mention of his coughing fit. Yeah, his, his slight bit of <laughs> consumption. He has a slight bit of consumption, yeah. so he's just going to cough. It's, it's terrible. I, I don't I, – the thing that stands out the most to me is uh, when somebody cracks a dentist joke and mm -hmm. he says that he stopped being a dentist because he hated dentist oh, jokes. My favorite. I, 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 <laughs> I rewound it like three times to watch that. No, I mean, I mean, it's a terrible performance. I don't think he did any <laughs> any preparation whatsoever. You know, he just showed up, sat on a horse, uh, didn't shave maybe, and uh, and just said his lines with his beady eyes. 
It was Ooh, it was beady just, eyes. he's just a beady eyed little freak. I swear to God, <laughs> I cannot stand about Mira. I he was with Tom Berenger in a movie called Chasers like eons ago. It had Erica Laniac and Dennis Hopper. I don't, maybe I'm the only one that remembers that. Oh my God, oh, that sounds amazing. And I, I, for some bizarre reason, just developed a, a distaste for William McNamara. And I, I, I was very surprised when I saw him in this. And when I realized he was going to be playing Doc Holliday, you know, it was just not good. And when he shows up, it, you know, it confirmed everything that I had suspected. So, no, I'm not a fan of his portrayal of Doc Holliday at all. I'll, I'll get your thoughts in just a second, Tanya. But did both of you notice that in the opening shots, in the opening sequence... There's, they show a bunch of sepia-toned footage of people shooting at each other. It, maybe it's stock footage, or maybe it's shot from maybe it's from a different movie. I think it's Did a different know? film. Yeah, it's probably from a different film. Did you notice that they look? It looks like that they used special effects to fuzz out all the faces. Yeah, yeah. In that footage, yeah. It, That's it was why so. I felt like it was maybe a different film because they were. He was trying to change the look of it enough to get away with using it like public domain style or something. There's or a. There's a movie from the 50s called The Angry Red Planet where they shoot some footage of these astronauts coming to Mars. And they, inter- they also introduce um, a bunch of footage from a different movie entirely that they had the rights to, which had like a bunch of special effects in it. And what they do for all those sequences is that, and all, in fact, all the sequences that take place on Mars, is that they just make everything bright red. They just put a red <laughs> filter over everything. Because I, I think that the initial footage is all in color, but the footage that they had from this movie was all in black and white, so it was the only way to make it all meld together. This method of fuzzing out people's faces, I found it so distracting. I was like, what is this? Why is this happening? <laughs> And if you've ever seen the special effects on the other David Dakota movie, uh, A Talking Cat, and the way that they made the mouth on the cat move <laughs> in that, then you'll also recognize the level of quality of special effects that we're dealing with here. Uh, William McNamara as Doc Holliday. Tanya, what did you think of his performance? Well, I have to say that I don't, I personally don't find it fair to judge any of the acting in the film. Because what I really think is I believe that David Dakota makes like tries to make movies like a semi cohesive movie as fast as he can to to just crank out as many movies as he can per year. And probably I'm guessing that most of these people either saw the script right before um, if there was one or um, kind of maybe improvised even or script that day possibly i'm not even sure i mean it was so bizarre um the way people read their lines was so strange and it was so it reminded me of you know kids trying to make a movie for a class project in high school <laughs> and just going not really knowing what they were actually going for and the, but then oh just say something here or you know and then the other person would have to answer that and they weren't sure where to go with it that's kind of how i felt watching it and then you know someone just cobbled it all together um in you know a cheap editing suite or something (laughs) so yeah i don't find i don't think it's fair to judge the the acting per se um because i because i'm guessing at the way that it was made yeah i think that's fair to say and in fact anyone who knows especially the work of david dakota over the last five or six years or so knows that he is um notorious for making films incredibly cheaply incredibly quickly 
and a lot of them. I think he's directed something like what? In fact, I, I, I he he basically the Eric Roberts of directors at this point <laughs> in terms of how, in terms of how productive he is. But frankly, most of these movies are just awful. I do give him credit because he casts a lot of kind of cult favorites in his movies. He likes to have recognizable screen queen type actresses in smaller roles. Uh, he also um, he, he kind of cornered the market on gay-themed horror movies as well, which is, I mean, a very interesting sub-genre that doesn't get a ton of attention. And he seems to be, you know, I follow him on Facebook. He seems to be very nice and very knowledgeable about the history of horror films. But the fact is, this is an incredibly poorly made movie, <laughs> and part of that poorly madeness has to do with the direction. It just, you know, not only are there things like blown lines left in it, which isn't strictly necessarily the director's fault. Maybe the editing should take some of the blame there. But there are sequences which seem to make no sense and seem to have no place in the context of the film. But the one I'm specifically referring to comes from the very end of the movie. Finally, (laughs) Doc Holliday has found the man that he's looking for. And they have a chase through the woods. And it is... My wife came into the room at the time while this was happening, and she, she hates the kind of horse shit that I watch. And she turned to the screen f- while it was happening, and she's like, what is this? And as it kept going, as this chase scene, just two men chasing each other through the woods, she's like, this is garbage. Like, she could recognize right away how badly made and how strange it was because you have this one character who's continually firing his guns, you have another character who's just kind of walking very deliberately and slowly behind him, and eventually they catch up to each other. And even more comically, all the other characters, they arrive at the scene as well, <laughs> even though these people are just walking kind of aimlessly through the woods. It, and then it, it, it culminates in a particularly dumb and awkward uh, shootout. I mean, look, we don't necessarily have to expect Sergio Leone or or Sam Peckinpah when you're watching this, but it's so lifeless, right? I mean, one of my dreams in life, I love Westerns. I do. I really, really like them. And I love the idea of, you know, having access to like a Wild West town and building a story around that and making a movie in that Wild West town. I just feel like there's so much you can do there, right? And you can pay tribute to all these movies that you love and you can tell these really interesting, you know, uh, sort of like classic American tales in there. And this movie was obviously written by someone with a strong grasp and or at least a strong love of that time period because if anything it's overpacked with the with the story of Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday, especially as Tom Berenger goes on and on and on. But it's so empty and it's so it's it's funny because it has an interesting story and then it, it it focuses on all these people that have no direct relationship to the story who are incredibly boring. Do you know, listeners, that we haven't talked about Eric Roberts yet? Now, when we don't talk about Eric Roberts, there's <laughs> usually a reason. <laughs> uh, and in this case, it actually has nothing to do with his performance at all. And he has a little bit more screen time than he has in some of the movies featured in this. Tanya, what did you think of Eric Roberts in Doc Holliday's Revenge? Um, well, I I did feel like the performance was phoned in to an extent, but... <laughs> This was one of the films where I felt like he was the best actor in the film. And I, I've seen him and I can't remember any of the other titles, but I've seen him in all. I mean, I've seen him in all kinds of movies. I feel like he just says yes to everything, maybe. 
I'm not exactly sure how how it happens, but he's been like in a zillion films. Um, and I've seen him in really weird low budget things where he actually stands out as, you know, like, oh, he's sort of realistic and all these other people are kind of like low budgety, funny acting. Um, but yeah, I felt like he was definitely the the one of the top <laughs> in this film um but yeah he he definitely it seemed like he was phoning it in and i could tell at some of the shots where that he actually wasn't re- yep. um reading to anyone else there was no one else <laughs> next to him but the cameraman so <laughs> he, was, yeah, I think a... he was like trying to an extent <laughs> There's some creative doubling going on in here, I think, to stretch some of, <laughs> stretch some of the performances. Um, just to explain Eric Roberts' character in this movie, uh, the the whole kind of central idea of Doc Holliday's Revenge had to do with these group of people who are getting together for sort of a family reunion. Uh, a woman um, has recently gotten married, and her kind of estranged father and her brothers are coming to meet her. And Eric Roberts plays the patriarch of the family. He's the father. So he gets introduced, and he has, again, a very strange relationship with his daughter. And then he goes off to find the other son who's been missing for a little while. And we find out later that he's actually been killed. And so he leaves the movie for all of it, the entire fucking movie. (laughs) And then he comes back at the very end, and that's it. That's all of the Eric Roberts in this movie. It's a very thankless role. It's also a very unnecessary role in the sense that that character didn't really need to exist. It doesn't add much more dimension <laughs> to the characters. Um, it feels like those characters, by the way, that family, that that they're so uninteresting. It just, I don't, I don't know why I should give a shit about them. And you can see why they would have called this Doc Holliday's Revenge as opposed to Stranded, because at least Doc Holliday is a character that people recognize from history and from better movies. Um, and you're not going to call it Elizabeth's Revenge necessarily. Um, <laughs> again, I thought she was fine in the movie. Uh, Eric Roberts, I think, does a perfectly reasonable job in a role that has that asks nothing of him. Um, and there's a moment at the very end where they they tease the idea of maybe some sort of confrontation between his character and Doc Holliday, but that doesn't happen, so there's no, don't worry, nothing interesting is going to happen there. (laughs) (laughs) There's not even a threat of something fun or entertaining to come out of those performances, but I will say that at least Eric Roberts doesn't embarrass himself like Tom Berenger does, and really, I'm not blaming Tom Berenger necessarily, but the way that that performance is integrated into the movie is so awkward and terrible Eric Roberts is just sort of here in the movie, and he does fine in his limited time, and uh, then he's gone. What did you think, Todd? Uh, yeah, I think he just showed up, said some lines, collected a paycheck, and that was it. Uh, you know, he he did, like, put that little uh, southern drawl into his performance, <laughs> which made everybody in the family have a different accent, which is really <laughs> bizarre. But, you know, yeah, I mean, he, he just showed up, you know, he farts off to Tucson, talks to somebody <laughs> about a newspaper that he can't read, and then he's gone. I mean, he just bookends the movie. Okay, that is the other scene that I didn't mention. Describe that again. I know you just mentioned it. He, he There's a newspaper. He can't read. What happens in that scene? Uh I'm trying to remember. I know that he shows up and and sees this guy reading a newspaper in the middle of nowhere, it looks like. Probably another part of the forest where they shot this whole thing. Mm. And uh, it looks like the guy's taking a shit. He asks him about the newspaper that he's reading. The guy hands over the newspaper. He says that he can't read it. And that seems to be the end of it, at least as far as I can remember. 
Let me read to you some of the titles. <clears throat> Normally, I would go through some of the titles of the films directed by David Dakota at this point, but uh, that will have to be saved for one of the other eight movies that Eric Roberts has been in. Let's briefly go over some of the movies uh, written by Rolf Konevsky, <laughs> the writer. The writer of Doc Holliday's Revenge. Let's see here. There's Timber, the Treasure Dog. There's <laughs> Adventures into the Woods, a sexy musical. Yes, that's all. <laughs> that's all one word there. There's uh, <laughs> there's the other David Dakota movie, uh, My Stepbrother is a Vampire, and as well as Bonnie and Clyde Justified, which I believe also has Eric Roberts in it. He he's also written three Emmanuel movies: <laughs> Emmanuel in Wonderland, Emmanuel Through Time. And actually, there's through two time. Emmanuel Through Times. There's two of those <laughs> movies. Made, those ones were made for TV. So, uh, in fact, the, if, you, if you go back <laughs> a little further... Made for TV. That's right. Well, he also did Emmanuel, The Private Collection, Emmanuel versus Dracula, as well as oh. The Erotic Misadventures of the Invisible Man. <laughs> <laughs> and don't forget uh, the, uh, the Pamela Anderson and Denise Richards movie, Blonde and Blonder. Oh, and in fact, he started his career, and, uh, and in fact, if you recognize the name, uh, I shouldn't mock it too much, because he also directed and wrote the 1991 movie There's Nothing Out There, the, uh, the kind of comedy horror sort of meta precursor to movies like Scream. Uh, and I have to say, I'm actually a really big fan of There's Nothing Out There, so I'm sad to yeah, see... I like that one as well. Yeah. There's a part in that movie where a character escapes... From the uh, from the baddies by swinging on a boom mic, <laughs> which I always thought was an incredibly clever moment. That's clever, not clever. Anything in Doc Holliday's Revenge, <laughs> a particularly poor movie that does not take advantage of the talents of anyone involved, and fr- frankly is a waste of time for everyone. If you want to see a western, that's good. There's a million of them, and if you want to see Movies featuring Doc Holliday. There's lots of good ones as well. Maybe check out Tombstone. At least you'll get to see Val Kilmer giving a good performance. And in fact, also a fucking amazing cast of character actors uh, that makes that movie a lot of fun to watch. Do you think that Eric Roberts should have to apologize for his performance in this movie? I don't think so. Nah, he's fine, right? Yeah, he's fine. Right? So I guess that, because I didn't really ask it in the last one because I thought it was a given, let's ask it here. Does this movie confirm or refute the idea that Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Let's start with you, Tanya. Oh, I I think Mm, it confirms it. For me, definitely. (laughs) Eric Roberts is the fucking man. The fact that he is who he is, he's done so many movies, and that he can walk onto the set of this crazy like cobbled together film and give the crazy unrehearsed performance that he gives and make it the best performance in the film (laughs) and that he does this and without any kind of excuses he's the fucking man she makes a good case what do you think todd i say it confirms that eric roberts is the fucking man he shows up he's on the screen for maybe Five, ten minutes total, if that, and he blows everybody else out of the water. So, he's the fucking man. If you can maintain your dignity in Doc Holliday's Revenge, <laughs> then you have to be the fucking man. That's right, two movies once again where Eric Roberts, whoo, thank goodness, is the fucking man. Please don't sue us, Eric. Let's take a final break, and when we return, you can... Find out where you can find out more about Eric Roberts as the fucking man, and of course, more of Tanya Atomic. Meet us after this. 
have it 1995's the nature of the beast and 2014's doc holidays revenge two incredible performances from eric roberts maybe not equaling one another but certainly uh one of them is worth going out of your way to see tanya i really want to thank you for taking part in this episode it's been a joy you know again you're another person that i've been i've talked to uh through social media and i was able to interview you for daily grindhouse uh, a while back and i've always wanted to have an opportunity to talk to you directly so this has just been a complete treat for me Oh, well, thank you so much. Um, I don't know if I told you this before, but I have been a fan of yours for many years. I found out about you and your shows via Twitter years ago. So for me, this is quite a, the pleasure as well. It's, it's a, everything has come full circle here on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. But as <laughs> we mentioned at the beginning of the show, you are an incredibly talented woman. You are a filmmaker, an actor, a jeweler, you do it all, and you do it all incredibly well. Where can people find your work? What's the work that they should be looking out for right now? Uh, well, the film that, I, that just came out, um, it's on VOD on Amazon. I think it's only on Amazon right now, um, but it's called Plain Devil, and it's a comedy about uh, – it's kind of a comedy homage to the teenage delinquent films of the past, but mm-hmm. sort of set in the modern time. So it's sort of you know got this awkward fish-out-of-water kind of vibe, and it even has that um, plot line as well. So um, that is the one that just came out. I'm most proud of it. It um, took the most to make, and I think that my cast and crew were amazing. And so if you look on Amazon – for Plain Devil, you can find that. Um, all my stuff is on tanyatomic.com, and Tanya spelled T-O-N-J-I-A, so tanyatomic.com. Everything's there. There's links to everything there. Um, so that's what you should be looking for is Plain Devil for sure. Um, and I'm actually in the middle of pr- um, production for a horror film called Raw Meat, that hopefully I'm hoping to be done with at the end of this year, but things always take longer. So <laughs> might be somewhere into next year, but, <laughs> but look for that too. So tanyatomic.com. And how about if people want to follow you on Twitter? Um, Tanya Tomic. Everything is Tanya Tomic. You can just look up <laughs> um, Tanya Tomic. Actually, if you go to my website, tanyatomic.com, there's, you can just click on a button to link to my Facebook or Twitter. Well, there you go. And, of course, we'll link it in the description of this episode as well. Todd, you, I don't mean to discount your own talents as well. (laughs) Where can we find you on the Internet, sick or otherwise? Uh, The best place you can find me is over at Twitter, at The Film Fiend. Uh, If you like horror movies, you can find me talking about that kind of stuff over at Dread Central and uh, everything Asian movie-related. You can find me at uh, fareastfilms.com. And, of course, you can find my writing over at DailyGrindhouse.com, interviews and reviews of micro-budget and no-budget films. 
You can find Eric Roberts is the fucking man on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. And you can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. You want to subscribe to Eric Roberts is the fucking man on iTunes or Stitcher or through our RSS feed? Do that at ericrobertsistheman.com. Check out our older episodes, including our bonus episode featuring the director and writer of Dead Saturday, which just came out recently. Very worth, worthwhile as well. And there's also a Facebook group that you can check out. Just look up Eric Roberts is the man on Facebook. Our next episode is, as they all are, very special. And in fact, we're going to be covering a movie that when I first mentioned the idea of this podcast, everyone said, oh, so you're going to cover this movie, right? (laughs) And that movie is going to be covered on our very next episode. Some of you already know what it is, but I'm not going to tell you what it is for a little while yet. Maybe come over to our Facebook group and you'll get a little insight. But we also have a very special guest that I'm in the process of confirming, so I'm not going to say who he is yet either. Uh, But let's just say that if you enjoyed us talking about David Dakota on this episode, then you'll likely also enjoy our next episode. Coming soon, more Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Tanya, thank you so much. Todd, thank you for coming out even though you're sick. Well, thank you for having me as always. (laughs) (laughs) We will be back very soon. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. If there's anything that you can do, Eric Roberts fucking can. 